So you want to hear my thoughts on Black Widow? No. Oh, sure. Mostly uh, about how they seem to have be super comfortable showing images of human trafficking as a way of setting up a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. The entire yeah. credit sequence is, look at all these young women being trafficked. They're going to become Black Widows. And oh. I don't know if I'm, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not calling it out specifically. I was just at the time being like, this seems a bit of a big swing for what's otherwise a very middle of the road, you know, Marvel paint by numbers type movie. So I'm particularly confused why they went for that. Like, otherwise you could put in pretty much every fucking Marvel stereotype in a sense that do the two heroes meet, have a mild misunderstanding and have to do uh. a big fight for five minutes before a bigger threat comes and they team up. I think <laughs> so. Uh-oh. Question. Is there any cameo beyond Scarlett Johansson in Black Widow of the main cast? No? Of the main cast? No. There's like a picture yeah, cameo of um, fucking Jeremy Renner and that's it. And I don't know why they didn't get him in. He's not got anything fucking better to do since his like, life fell apart. He would have been more than happy to show up and do a few arrow things. Yeah, well, yeah that's true. Pretend the... to be an archer or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's some weird like casting in that. Like, uh, there, when I was watching the credits and they came up all the cast like starring Olga Kurylenko and like how where is she in this? What was Olga Kurylenko? And she's yeah. in it and she has no words. It's like revealed oh. halfway through that she's in the movie. That's not a spoiler for anything because it's it's, it's the actress. It's uh. revealed she's in the movie and she still doesn't say any words after you know it's her. It's a very weird cast. They could have got any fucking no name to be in this mute role. And then that's what well, I mean. Like isn't that just, isn't that like just, a, a, isn't that just like. Isn't that just like, uh, isn't that just a power thing, or that's just bragging about how much money you have? I can get absolute stars like Olga Kurylenko and just use them as extras. I mean, maybe they clearly did the ultra power move of hiring Ray, Win- Ray Winston and asking mm. him to do something other than a Cockney accent. So huh. he's doing the worst the fucking Russian accent you've ever heard, comrade. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, so are yeah. they all. I mean. I said that kind of in, in my thoughts at the beginning. It's like, are we doing one of those movies where everyone insists on talking in that kind of da type accent? Uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm sure no Russian has ever fucking heard in their life. And yes, it is exactly that type of movie. Yeah. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, that was like with fucking Avengers and, uh, and your one, uh, whatever her name is, Scarlet Witch or whatever, where she uh, originally had an accent in the first time she appears. And then the next time she appears, she just has perfect English in a <laughs> regular accent. Cause I guess they were like, Hey, let's not keep this up for, a series mm. of movies. That's fine. It, it wasn't great in the first one. Let's just pretend that it's okay now. <laughs> you learned uh-huh. how to speak fluent English since. It's okay. I'm I'm happy to report as well this takes place in the Fast and Furious universe of fall damage not existing. You have people yeah. falling from tremendous heights, but as long as they sort of like pose as they land, they're basically grand. It's good. As long, well, yeah, because, you know, as long as two things going at the exact same speed hit each other, then it cancels out all speed and they just, you know, they exist. Absurd. They, ha- they didn't even land on cars, which everyone knows cancel all fall damage. They just, just sort I mean, of land there. That's, that's uh, what they do in a... That's the Matrix thing, where hmm. Morpheus gets kicked off the truck and they just kind of run into him with the car so he can jump back onto the truck. <laughs> but it's, at least the Matrix is supposed to be like when you figure out the Matrix, you, you, you're not beholden to the laws of physics. Whereas this very much takes place in our world. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, you know what does have a good cast, though? What? Hmm. Morning Brew. Oh, oh that's us. Here. Welcome to Morning Brew, episode 21. Not only are we legal, we can also have a beer now. Incredible. In the United States. I mean, we've been able to have a beer since episode 18 anywhere else. 
16 in some jurisdictions. Nine? It's somewhere in the world, probably. I mean, if you just live in, like... What, what, one of those libertarian paradises? They probably let their kids drink. Yeah. land. I bet you can drink... Uh, Liberland. It's from, like, Lithuania or something, though. Yeah. You know, like, fucking... Or, like... I, yeah. I, I just, I'm going to go with that. Ten for the wine in yeah. France. My children need wine. Any any Lithuanians listening, shout out and tell us uh, exactly when you started drinking, please. Yeah, so, I, I would assume I would assume the legal age is probably like eight or nine. I could be wrong, mm. but I I would have to guess. <laughs> I'm Adam Sheridan. I'm Stephen Burke. And I'm Daniel Purcell. And... Oh come on, Don, get with the program. We were doing quick fire there, and then you just like weren't ready. The microphone down at the table, just not your heart wasn't in it. I was, okay, I, was, it. I was I was worried if I was going. I was worried if I was going to, I was trying to decide if I was going to commit to a joke about being Alexei Romanov and then correcting myself. I mean, Daniel Purcell, no secret agents here. <laughs> but I figured it'd be better to play the long game and explain the joke I would have made instead of actually making it. Gotcha. So my overall review of the movie is that it's the most Marvel Marvel movie yet, while pretending to be the least Marvel Marvel movie yet. So... It's I don't exact, understand. It's every, It's basically if you took out the specific characters and instances and you just had that framework, characters running away, they meet up with an ally who they don't know is an ally first, then they go assemble a team, then they go and take on the villain in the villain's base that ends up exploding. You could. That's nearly every Marvel movie. Uh, and it's nearly case, every James Bond movie as well. You're right. Yeah. They stole well, you know. the formula. <laughs> I mean, that's just formulas. That's just, that's just action movies. <laughs> yeah, no one, has, no one has sex in the Avengers, though, because they're all nerds. Yeah, that's, yeah true. that's true. Although there are a lot of and everyone has their chest. Everyone, everyone has their, their chest very much, like, shaven. That's, that you can't say of the Bond movie, so that's not part of the Marvel formula, obviously. Is Daniel Craig not waxed? I imagine not in real life. Is he not a little bit hairy? Is he not a little bit hairy I, in the films? I don't know. Maybe I've he's just fair hair. He's fair hair, so maybe his body hair is just very fine. Speaking of Daniel yeah. Craig, it doesn't show on on screen. His his wife is in this. Rachel Weisz. She's fine. She's grand. She's. I don't know why they bothered casting her and then gave her so little to do. Whereas they <laughs> cast Dave, David Harbour, who's a much inferior actor, and just gave him this big, massive, loud character to play. Um, uh, I mean, power games, Florence. nerdiness, trying to promote him. So someone he must be someone's mate, is he? I mean, maybe. I don't know if I like him in Stranger Things that much. Maybe they got him I think, cheap. I think he just gets good roles. Um, I mean, the by, Florence Pugh is by far the best thing in the movie, which is true of every movie she's in, to be fair. I need to watch Stranger Things. I keep meaning to do it, and I haven't, I haven't yet sat down. No, no, no. I, need to, I need to watch Stranger Things. You it just seems like it, something I'd enjoy. It's, fi- like, it's enjoyable. It's all, every season's enjoyable, but I do, you, you do kind of struggle to get over the sense that the first season came out and was so kind of like immediately iconic that they're still chasing that um that same wave and every season oh. since has been slightly diminished yeah yeah i mean you know god loves a trier <laughs> you know i just i'd rather that than you know them waving a just kind of riding a wave of mediocrity well, well in my I mean, case in my case i wouldn't say someone well, it's it's like it's, it's like Ozark, right? A little, a little mediocrity gully. Yeah. For, isn't, for that, isn't that like the 
Isn't that like the deal with Ozark? Where it's like yeah. half of season one of Ozark is pretty good, so the second half of season one of Ozark is whatever, and then every episode following that is kind of like, who gives a shit? Why is the show still being made? Um, yeah, I don't know. Nuria really likes it. Um, but I, I, every time I watch it, just feels like it's 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 Breaking Bad that can't admit it's Breaking Bad. Well, that's that's what I've been told. I was told it was very generic Breaking Bad, and that you can you get that sense from episode one to the last episode. It just keeps stretching like that. So, uh-huh. you know, kind of killed it for me. Plus, also. Can you really can like Jason Bateman is not a fucking serious actor. You can't I can't take him seriously. <laughs> like, you know, I just I, I can't. He's he's the comedy guy. He's he's not a... I can't I would I don't think I could really face him as a serious actor. I think it's because he has this weird thing where he I feel like he says every single line the exact same. Like if he it's does. Michael Bluth or uh, not Walter White. Every line is pronounced the exact same intonation. He could be giving out to his family for being selfish or plating for his life from a Mexican drug lord, and he'll still just like sound slightly chiding, slightly yeah. like he's you know exasperated with everyone. Yeah, he definitely he definitely found his groove as a comedy actor, where his delivery and his his presence is is very deliberate, and it's you know it's good. I I don't I don't mind Jason Bateman as an actor. Some of his stuff was was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Um. Like Game Nights is a surprisingly funny movie, which I wouldn't have expected. Um, yeah, but you know, I also I don't think I could take him seriously as a serious actor, though. I don't think, like I see keep seeing the trailer for Ozark, and it's not appealing to me at all. Yeah. <laughs> and from what people tell me, I'm like, oh, I'm really glad I avoided that one. It's just one of those shows that ends up spinning its wheels. You know, like a certain show gets its setup and it really likes its setup. And season one might be fine because that's the characters in the new setup establishing themselves. But after yeah. that, it yeah. just doesn't really know where to go with it. So it's yeah. a lot of like repeated ground, or it's like, oh, they fucked up again. But the massive yeah. baddies given them another chance for some reason. <laughs> do you uh, do you do, do you think you're gonna stop or you're gonna lose interest in Netflix shows because they have a three season maximum run? No, I don't think so. Is that a is that a thing? Yeah. After after three seasons, Netflix shows stop bringing in new subscribers, and the whole point of them is to bring in new subscribers. So once they get to uh. their third year, they stop producing. If you look at most Netflix shows, almost yeah. none of them go past season three. Hmm. Um, the only one that can go past season three, as far as I know, that's going to a fourth season is uh, Stranger Sunset. Things. Stranger Things is different, though. That's a that that's a different uh, situation. But for like. Their a lot of their current stuff and Selling Sunset's not even theirs actually. I think they just bought it from somebody, but they're funding the next season. But yeah, it's they they have like a formula where they see that season one of a hit show brings in a certain number of subscribers. When season two mm. comes out, it brings in a lower number. Season three brings yeah. in a lower number, and after that, all season four will do is entertain your current subscribers, not bringing new ones. But your so current it's subscribers are probably going to yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Well, I mean. It makes sense. I mean, maybe it'll, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, it might help us get some more tightly focused fucking serials. Like, well, the, the unfortunate thing is that they don't like, they never end season three, though, with a real ending. Oh, they it's just, always they a just cancel it, like, grim. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's a cliffhanger and they go from there. Like, Santa Clarita Diet was very good. Uh-huh. Um, and I liked that show a lot. But then, like, season three comes around and there's a major cliffhanger that it ends on. And that's it. Like, they're just like, yeah, okay, we're done now. It's hit at season three. And it's like, why? Uh-huh. That's but, a really weird. It's not even like an entertaining cliffhanger ending. Like it's just, no. it's a real. It's but it a wasn't real like they built ending, that like, in, oh. though. Did they? Like mm. it's not like they were. It's not like so. I feel like if a show is told, okay, you're probably only getting three seasons, or even they get two seasons, and at the start of the third season, they're told they're not going to be renewed. 
that shows mm. it's a plan. And that means that the show can, like, yeah, build it into the structure of it, give a satisfying ending. Whereas, yeah, Santa Clarita Diet bangs as something that thought it was getting a fourth season. By the way, but, yeah. but, but though, why would you produce that as the guy that pulls the trigger on it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they know internally, they produce this thing. It's not like they bought it from someone else, it's their original show. So, when you know you're probably not going to make another one, and you're looking at this at the script for season three. Like, why have such a mm. giant open end for your final? Well, game? that's that's that's, that's my really point. Weird. That's so. If if it's like internal policy to you know stop after three seasons, then presumably they would have said something like, "Oh yeah, don't do that because you're out of a job." You know, I don't, so I, I, I don't think they cared. I think they they wanted a, a show to be made, and they were happy enough with the show, so they went, "Yeah, go ahead." You uh-huh. know? That's that was their go on it. Like, if you look at like. Like the the Sabrina show they put out, um, okay, last season was kind of whatever. It's kind of it's kind of shitty, but uh, Killing Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, I I really liked season one, and then the follow up seasons aren't the greatest. They kind of they kind of kind of flop all over the place. I I mm. think that like I think they threw a lot out. Uh, they had a lot of ideas for season one, and then just kind of threw them out of the pram for season two and three. Um, yeah, but like it definitely ends ends. Like, like they knew there's an ending coming up, and they're definitely not making more. And they make sure to like let you know that there's definitely no fucking future for this show. Yeah, uh, in, in the ending, like they're very clear on that. But other shows they produce aren't the same. And I always think like, I don't really want to get invested in these shows anymore. Really, you know, you mm. watch an Netflix show, and you're probably not gonna have anything after season three. And then if season three has a giant cliffhanger, it's like, oh, this just killed it for me. You know, mm. this really ruined that that show. Um, I guess, I guess you can't feel, you can never feel comfortable that the um show is going to end properly or that there's actually a story there to tell which i mean most shows are oh people like this fuck it let's figure out more things to happen to the characters but you want the illusion that it's going somewhere Mm. yeah like sabrina could have ended after season one even though they knew they were going to make more um and it also technically could have ended after season two i suppose but it wouldn't have been very good but like Uh you know that's a very deliberate thing but you have other shows they have and like it kind of kills it for me um the Santa Clarita Diet thing especially was a was a big one because I stopped watching a lot of Netflix shows after that. Um, and some mm. of the Netflix stuff that I watch now, I, I know they call them Netflix originals, but they aren't actually Netflix originals. They just bought the rights to air it. Um, yeah. You know, which they which they do a lot and call it Netflix original, which is <laughs> uh, not not really true. Yeah. Like they, when like, they, they do one season of something and then claim it's like the Gilmore Girls is a Netflix original now. or. <laughs> Well, at least with that, they produced that that extra season that came out. Like they the claim that River, they claim that Riverdale is a Netflix show. Yeah. But that's made by the CW. They just pay to stream it, <laughs> and yeah. what they call it a Netflix show, and they have Netflix <laughs> original branded all over it. And it's like I think you mean exclusive. It's not yeah. Netflix original. You fuckers didn't pay for any of this. Like <laughs> you didn't make the show. And they do that a lot. Like they do that a lot, even with movies and stuff. They'll sometimes buy like an indie movie. And slap Netflix original on it, and it's like, but this what? This is not original. Like, are the originals the most successful things that bring in Netflix subscribers? Because I thought yeah. I saw something that the most successful Netflix no. show in twenty twenty was like Shit's Creek, which isn't theirs. Well, that's different though. Like, that's a like every now and again, yeah, a mega hit's gonna come along. That's gonna you know just just be gigantic. Like, you know, look mm. at look at Breaking Bad. Like, Breaking Bad had pretty good viewership for most of its run. Then the sh- for the final season, before the final episode, there was like, I think, six or seven million people that had streamed the series up to the finale to watch it live. 
Wow. Because the final episode had like 10 million viewers, which is way more than most episodes of Breaking Bad had on television. Uh. So like you'll have something like that that'll come along. But yeah, for the most part, it's the Netflix originals that really get people in. And the rest of the shit they yeah. buy is just to keep people there. You know, like they know mm. that like, oh, Friends on Netflix is great because people are going to binge watch this all the time. So we're going to keep them subscribed, which is why they mm. pay so much money to have Friends. Yeah. But I, I am like, sort of fascinated by Netflix and the seemingly massive budget uh, uh, business model that they have. Where I feel like it has to end in massive fucking disaster. And I, I don't, I... Their stuff is like faux big budget, though. You know what I mean? Like they, they'll put out a movie that seems like a big budget movie, but the biggest budget is just like they paid Chris Hemsworth or whatever. And the rest yeah. of the movie is actually a fairly small budget movie. Like their originals don't tend to be that expensive. Um, mm. It's just like they'll get a big name actor in and pay whatever his quote is, and then go from there. Um, like I mean, look at their look at their biggest show at the minute. Like the biggest show in the last few years was Selling Sunset, and before that was Tiger King. That was another one that took off huge, but they were super cheap. You know what I mean? Well, I think yeah. the documentaries especially are fairly cheap because you almost I think with don't documentaries well, that's why they were like like that's cruise why they up them out so fucking much. But yeah, isn't that because isn't that because Cruz basically already make the doc and then send yeah. it about and people will buy it? So yeah. it basically that's typical their pitch. Yeah. yeah, so so that's why they have shit tons of them and they're like one or two of them will yeah. be. What, what was that? And what was that one about the fucking um, the guy who abducted the girl and then slept with her entire family, abducted in plain sight or something? They seem oh. to just like buy documentaries and like any other random documentary and brand them as part of like a series. Like yeah. Manhunt Unabomber and well not Manhunt Unabomber, but they <laughs> that, seem to uh, especially for true crime stuff, they seem to like just buy random documentaries and, and brand them as part I, of one series. I think there was a period in time where true crime stuff was like the hottest thing. Yeah. And they they made sure to take out the checkbook at that point in time. Because that's when like you had like there was two different Madeline McCann documentaries at the exact same time that it came out. There's two <laughs> different like uh, Sophie Sophie Tuscan de Plantier uh, documentaries on competing streaming platforms yeah. right now oh are, are those different ones which is the jim sheridan one is that the netflix i one? think that's the netflix one i don't know like then, I... Also, then you have weird stuff as well though because you had that uh you had that ted bundy documentary that came out and then you had the ted bundy movie that came out starring zach efron that was made by the same fucking guy mm. all he did was turn turn the documentary series into a script and shoot it again yeah. that fucker yeah. sold the same movie twice genius hey look if you could pay paid for twice, pay twice for working once. Why would you work twice? Yeah, that, turned uh, his notes into the series. But some of the some of the true crime stuff as well. They 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 put up Netflix especially is bad for their fucking awful. Like that Madeline mm. McCann thing, I had to stop watching. It dragged on for so long. Mm. Like it's like they didn't cut anything. It's like they had scenes that were fucking eighteen minutes long and just let the whole thing run. And I just had to fucking stop. Didn't they have a yeah. whole fucking episode on how to get from the tapas restaurant to the apartment? Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that was episode two. There was like four episodes and like 90 minutes each. And we watched the first episode and then like halfway through episode two, I stopped. I couldn't do it anymore. It was just too much of a slog. It was like, stop, you're killing me with this. Yeah. And like, it just, I couldn't believe. I thought at one point, honestly, that we were like five episodes in because we had been watching it for so long. And when I checked and seen we were only halfway through episode two, I was like, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. I can't fucking watch this. Especially because you know there's no answer. If if she yeah. if they found something, it would have been in the news. So you know, it's just I guess we'll never know. Just Probably the final episode. Parents. Final episode cuts in on the director, and he's like, "I'm Madeline McCann the whole time," and like pulls off his <laughs> face mask. Arrests arrests her parents. Places a citizen arrest. Speaking of citizens arrest, is Dolores Cahill okay? Like, it's what the fuck happened? Like, like she's having like a full on mental breakdown, right? 
Or I mean, some I... kind of like terrible medical news that sent her flying off the handle because her personality change has been such a fucking flip that it's Who's? unreal. Dolores, Dolores Cahill. I didn't know she wasn't always like that. Yeah, which is assuming we knew what she was like before. You assume she was probably a bit more reasonable when you see they hired her or they wouldn't have gotten well, her to not the even, position she is now where they can't that. fire it's her. That... If you look at how often her, because every time she posts anything or anything posts about her, it's just all of UCD's staff coming out to dunk on her publicly. But a load of them have said that, like, you know, how, like, that they used to be friends and, like, they couldn't possibly speak to her these days and stuff like that. So she's obviously had a major personality shift. But, Mm. like, the other thing you can also tell is that her fucking ramblings don't make any sense, dude. They're insane. Like, it's really, like, some of the stuff she, she rambles about, like, is just, like, insanity. It's just gibberish flowing from her. Well, I think maybe that's doing insane people a disservice uh, because she has a very clear set of ideologies. Uh, Does she have a clear set of ideologies? She's half an hour away from, like, quoting some kind of fucking YouTube video from some fucking guy that lives in a bunker in East Kansas or something talking about how fucking cornfields are going to cause you to have super AIDS and pass it on to your family through gene therapy or something. It's like, you need to relax. Like, stop. Yeah, pretty much. At a well, I mean, point, at a certain a point, a lot of people you... spend just too much time on the internet and get get really, really confused by what they're reading. And I have a suspicion that people with a scientific sort of background may be more susceptible to this. I'm not going to say that people who have pursued science as a career path necessarily uh, don't have good reading comprehension or don't have the critical faculties to analyze text or take things under advisement or read yeah. something without fully accepting what it is. But my experience of science undergraduates, uh, certain science undergraduates and people from a science background who get involved in these conspiracy theories yeah. is like completely, is that they've, it's not that they've lost grip on reality. It's just that they they develop, I think, trust issues with, with all media as soon as they're exposed to any suggestion that, you know, narratives might be contested. They, yeah, that seems to challenge their idea that, you know, the idea of competing narratives, they just can't seem to cope with that. Uh, but I, surely, take, surely, surely you take can't things for equate, what they're worth and so on. But surely you can't equate a science student, an undergraduate, uh, with a fairly senior academic who, you know, regardless of your field of academia, presumably you have to engage with the concepts of people can believe different things and narratives can be contested, even if you're not in the humanities. Mm. I mean, it, de- it depends exactly well, I think I think it seems to help. Yeah, but also it depends entirely. Like you know, if you spend if you spend your career and your your lifetime studying things as fact, you know, which you know a, a lot of science is 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 fact, and then things change. But if you spend your life doing that, I can see how it could you know, as Stephen says, how it could be easy for them to, to kind of lose a grip. I think she definitely has lost a grip on reality. You know, I, I it's like she she seems very unhinged, and I, it's it's a little worrying at times because I know people love to fucking. You know, love the chore under the bus and they love to comment on it. And it's a kind of uncomfortable to look at it because when you see her colleagues comment on stuff about how like they just can't be around her anymore and couldn't possibly speak to her now. Yeah. Like it definitely like it gives the like it does give you the like this kind of weird backstory of like this person has definitely changed and like yeah. changed pretty dramatically where like, you know, she's being basically being cut out of her colleagues' lives entirely because they just couldn't possibly deal with what's yeah. what's in front of them. And like it's it is worth like I I genuinely like have a worry about it. I I I keep seeing videos of her and I just think like fucking hell. Like this well, is it, a... it's it strikes me that a lot of people um really from reading conspiracy minded things on the internet have got themselves into a position where they're sort of losing the plot a bit. 
Yeah. Um, and there are, you know, you would read of people being walked back from a position of effectively they've been radicalized in the same way. Yeah. ISIS might radicalize someone. And we see this with, uh, we see this with the with the capital riots in the United States and Washington. We see this uh, all over the place. And at some point, you have to ask, like, wh where is this coming from? Why are people, you know, why why is this? Why are these lies so effective? You know, conspiracies like QAnon, etc. They have yeah. their teeth in, in in Ireland and in European politics in some degree, and at, at the fringe end of things. Why have they picked up traction? Why have they they caught these things? And and in what sense? I wonder. Are they are they fundamentally different to movements like you know the anti globalization movements of the early to mid two thousands? Are or and an environmental movements proceeding and and parallel with that? Or are they like are they completely fact free? Are they are they ephemeral or will they have long lasting lasting impacts? Like are they and, and what is sustaining? Like, why is how is it? How is it the that that just access to the internet seems to bring out the worst in in, in these people? Like, it's it's crazy. I mean, the yeah. internet's compulsive, regardless of what That's you're true. being what you're being compel compelled on. I mean, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure all of us have spent much longer than we should have reading about things that either piqued our interest mm. or you know, for example, you might spend ages doom reading about climate change or something and so yeah. i think you can you can definitely have that as the starting point for that kind of radicalization like i think it's just yeah. the nature of having the concept of all of this information available yeah. to you and i don't even want to say without the critical faculties to distinguish it because i think you probably have a lot of people who in other circumstances wouldn't have been caught up in it mm. um who do get caught up in it i think it's more just about circumstances for the, the emotional state people will get caught in when they end up reading those kind of things um whether is it that it's a compelling there are compelling narratives around these things the, the narratives themselves are compelling that conspiracy conspiracy conspiratorial thinking is you know it's it sometimes they're very compelling narratives around it and yeah you know why shouldn't the the, the gaps in definite knowledge allow for these things to be i'd love to know, live in a conspiracy theorist world yeah, I'd love to live in a world where pe there was that much control by the government, where everything that happened had a had mm. an explanation. Whereas, well, yeah. you have to, instead you have these massive gaps in well, reason. well, I suppose you know there are there are plenty of things that are you know state secrets and real conspiracies out there and and so on. So I suppose it's difficult to argue from the point of you know if you. Uh, I suppose it's hard to argue that the you know right wing maniacs shouldn't have their own conspiracy theories about let us say the pandemic being a mechanism of social control or something, because in many cases I'm sure in the Far East and so on there is a degree of well okay I'm being I'm being a little bit like uh, I'm letting a sort of a uh, an Orientalist frame fill my mind I shouldn't but. You know, I'm sure it's being used to heighten control in, in lots of places. Uh, and perhaps there is a point about the civil liberties arguments in and around public health measures. It's just that the public health measures are things that certain people value and not other people value if they are yeah. of a libertarian or right wing bent. And they just happen to be criticizing the same sort of things that many wet liberal leftists might do the same in other circumstances, but because of a more 
communitarian or community focused mindset or set of values, uh, they're prepared to see levels of social control that other people mightn't be. Maybe, yeah, that's, suppose, maybe that's just a crossover. When you start going with those concerns as well, it's very easy to just go deeper and deeper down the path because yeah. you start getting negative feedback from one side and positive feedback from another. If you look at Jim mm. O'Doherty or anyone and they didn't start where they are now, they slowly grew into the positions yeah. that they were holding and you wonder is that the same for Dolores Cahill? Well, I mean, yeah. also though, in fairness though, Jim O'Doherty's stuff is a shtick. You know, it's, mm. it, it's very the- much a, a, a shtick. Like, you know, you don't... Even stuff that's like, you know, she's in an interview and she says stuff like, you know, as mm. as far back as about a month ago, that uh, like Leo Varadkar, if you were to find him in Ireland, you should only find him in an Indian takeaway house. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that is just like, that's, you know, she's, there, there's a portion of the, of, you know, the far right, which is, you know, specifically says and, and does certain things to kind of poke the bear a little bit, but mainly just to kind of, you know, mislead well, people. Attention, and Gemma Ardardi, attention, attention whoring. But the, well, yeah, but for Gemma Ardardi yeah. stuff is definitely like a shtick. Like, it's very different to the Dolores Cahill stuff. Like, the, yeah. you know, the Dolores Cahill stuff of, like, I'm going to try and bum rush a group of guards and then I'm going to start throwing tables and knocking chairs over because I didn't get mm. in my way and trying to, I'm trying to jump a barricade. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Like, that's, that's a very different, that's a different, very different mentality. Um, and I know mm. people like to give John Waters um some credit as if like you know he's kind of been sucked into this stuff too but i don't think so either i i think john mm-hmm. waters is also playing up character and also joining in on this shtick because you know it was benefiting for a long time um so i think they're a little yeah. bit different that way um yeah you know just just personally i think they're a little bit different because of that you know it's like certain things like you look at like milo uh milo yiannopoulos yeah you know and you look at when when he was big several years ago, and he was making an awful lot of money from people on, you know, the right, because he was their mouthpiece, essentially. But, like, mm-hmm. he didn't believe anything he was saying, you know. When he's, like, as a gay man, when he's on these talk shows and stuff like that, condemning homosexuality and stuff like that, like, that's not his actual belief. He was doing mm-hmm. that because that's where his paycheck was coming from. You know, the Breitbart media news and stuff like that. That's, that was all those checks, and, you know, mm-hmm. you look at where he is now, you know, he's not a victim well, I mean, I suppose in a sense, maybe you could say he's a bit of a victim, but, you know, mm. he's somebody who now lives in constant fear. He is bankrupt. He has no job opportunities coming from him because he has, you know, burned mm. those bridges and blacklisted himself. And the people who used to cover those those tabs for him no longer cover those tabs because he's not useful anymore. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, so... yeah, but, but I, guess, I guess my problem with thinking, oh, like they don't really believe it, is just that I think that is comforting again on our side because what that does is any person you can see who ha- is attached to an ideology you can say oh actually they don't even yeah. believe that that ideology isn't that authentic or is even further undermined and then any groups of people who do support them are just sort of abstracted you know so i think like that fulfills a different psychological need where you don't want to mm. attach people to movements because then you can then you have to almost well, no, they're, engage they're in definitely the attached more. they're definitely attached to the movement like you 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 made your choice you know yeah, like you, you know, you've that's that's your choice. That no one made, like the Malayanopolises and the Gemardotties and stuff do what they do. It's it's a it's a career move. It was you know, it was done for a reason, and you have to bear the responsibilities of whatever actions that is after the fact. You mm. know? Like I can only feel so bad for someone like Emilio Yiannopoulos. Like I know, you know, it's it's pretty harsh the situation he was left in. But quite frankly, like you know. He did deserve to be deplatformed, and you know he did deserve yeah. to be to be in a position where his his financials were 
were taken out from under him because he was enjoying a lavish lifestyle of causing hate mm. and, you know, leading certain people to being physically assaulted and stuff like that with certain yeah. comments he made. And so, you know, the situation he finds himself in is 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 perfectly justifiable. Um, but, yeah. you know, there is you have to you have to be able to identify the people that are like, caught up in the movement um, and the people that are are leading it for a paycheck or leading it for personal gain in some way, whether it's a paycheck or not. You know, yeah. some people do certain things purely because they know that the attention they're going to get will be good for them in the long term. And they usually have backers that will cover those legal bills for them, too. You know, we've yeah. seen that loads of times. And I think it, then I think a big test of authenticity is do they end up going the way of Milo? Do they keep seeing, mm. you know, essentially being a pariah out for well, as he, long as he, they can? He, he tried to get the sympathy card and, and the apology card out after he was deplatformed. Yeah. You know, essentially begging people to try and help him out. But it's too late at that point, you know. Um, and, and I suppose that's the, that's the real show of it. Like, you know, when they get to the point where they can't, can't you know, they're past the point of no return now, do they turn around and own up to it and say, hey, I only did this because of X? Or do they continue down the path where like, hey, you know, I did this and that's that's the way it is. So I suppose you can figure it out that way too. But, um, yeah. you know, reap what you sow. Yeah, is it? All right, Steve, move us on to brighter and greener pastures. Do you know what my topic is today? It's rainy days. Okay. Excellent topic. I love rainy days. I've been just doing little jobs around the house for my mom all day. And we've been thinking about like what way she's going to arrange the utility room and whether I can hang up little brackets for her to hang the, uh, hang up the Hoover and stuff. And I fixed the towel rail in the bathroom. And now I'm doing like a big tidy up job on my bedroom. And then we're going to go to takeaway. That's, that's what me and my mom have planned for today. A really, really <laughs> rainy day in Lashton. Stephen becomes a good boy when the rain comes out, apparently. <laughs> yeah. My evil I cleaned, urges, they're yeah. subsiding. I cleaned my room and now I'm getting chicken balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mommy's getting the chicken, chicken balls. I was a great boy. I was a very helpful boy today. I, I do think psychologically there's something that rainy days do, where I think if you're indoors and you're at home all day and there's a possibility you should be outside, there's either a sense of guilt or restlessness that could be there because you want to go out. Yeah. Definitely and then you, you go out and you do that and you come back and you feel great. And the indoors is never better than when you've just been outside. Yeah. But I think yeah. Ra rainy days directly take you there because rainy days are like, don't worry about it, man. You couldn't go out it. if you wanted to. No. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing to be gained by going outside. Stay in and do nothing. Or the stay in and do days, whatever the fuck you want to do indoors. Yeah. The rainy days are also the perfect day to do day drinking. Yeah. Rainy days, if you ever feel like, if you ever feel like, oh, you know, there's a particular day where you just kind of to like to have yeah. a few drinks a little bit earlier and you probably allow yourself normally a rainy day is perfect for that you know let yourself yeah. have it doesn't matter if it's fucking one o'clock in the afternoon if you want to do some <laughs> day drinking and, and and believe me when i do my day drinking i said a lot earlier than one o'clock <laughs> hey you can't <laughs> but, drink all day if you don't start in the morning exactly then it's just lunchtime <laughs> but if you want to if you if you perfectly ready it's a rainy day outside and you're you're not bothered going anywhere you start you do a little bit of day drinking get yourself a nice little pizza later on that day watch some movies great day great yeah. afternoon don't have to feel guilty or anything yeah totally i don't know or, actually i disagree with that i think if you're day drinking sunny days outside are the most guilt-free way of doing it because then you're you're basically just doing normal socializing. You know, you're outside. Yeah. You're getting sun. It's healthy. It would be unhealthy not to be outside day drinking. <laughs> Where I think like yeah. drinking indoors when it's rainy is basically just like drinking in the evening but longer. 
which is yeah. fine. Yeah. No problem. No it's problem great. with that. But it lacks that special frisson of drinking well, outside in the day in the sun. I mean, well, on the rare, I've never, I've only, I've only really day. spent, I've only spent one day drinking on a rainy day, like where I've spent most of the afternoon and evening, uh, drinking and eating and just sitting in a bar somewhere. I've only, that's only happened to me once in my life, really, that I can think of offhand. And that was when uh, that was when I bailed out of doing a caving trip early because I didn't have proper breakfast, and I didn't fancy I didn't fancy doing X Y and Z things without a I just didn't fancy doing it. So me and one of the other guys went back and went to the pub <laughs> about an, about an hour into the caving trip. We're just like, no, fuck this. We're going back. Don't feel like it. Don't <laughs> what, feel time, it. what time would this be? Six a.m. Well, it was. Well, we went. We we set out for the cave. I think at like half eight nine in the morning. And everyone thought, I thought, and everybody else in our group thought we were going to stop off and have a big rashery breakfast somewhere uh, on the way to, on the way to the cave. So we, all we had was a couple of bites of burnt porridge before we left the caving place. And we thought, oh yeah, we're going to the caving shop and we'll stop for a bit of food. Like that's, that's fine. But we went to a different outdoors, outdoor shop. And the only food they had there was Kendall mint cake. And that was all I had was an entire bar of Kendall mint, mint cake, uh, before going and doing some caving in the, uh, in Yorkshire, and it was we were going to do a big L trip, and I'd ate nothing, and essentially I was hungry by the time I got to the cave. Had the entire candle mint cake and was having the most awful. It was just returning on me horribly. Turns out the first time I had candle mint cake, I hate candle mint cake. Fuck it, I don't like it. And I don't even know what it is. I don't know what it is either. Okay. Because uh, the two of you like, were nodding along as if like <laughs> as if you knew the entire time it was going on. Dan, do you know what it is? Yeah, it's like one of those weird fucking tea cakes, isn't it? Like um, uh, like one of those ones that you've never ever bought in your life. But if you visit an old lady's house, it's there. Hmm. Um. Let me let me look it up. I've googled it. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one... like it's like eating mouthwash. Yeah, it's weird. It's like kind of quite. A, I don't. It's like a chocolatey covered. Like I don't know. It looks. Yeah. Chocolatey covered chocolate mint mush. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I thought it was like quite chocolatey based, and uh, it is sugar based confection flavored with peppermint. Popular among climbers and mountaineers for some fucking reason. Uh, some of uh, the, the particular kind I got wasn't covered in any chocolate. That was probably part of the problem. And uh, it looks like it's made in just like uh, a cow shed. It's it's like they, it, it's like someone took all the chocolate off a fries bar and made you eat the mint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. I think that's, that's what terrible. Fr- is that what a fries bar? Yeah, it was awful. Anyway, that was the only thing I ate that day, apart from like two tablespoons worth of porridge. And I was just like, we burnt all the porridge, so we're going for a fry. Okay, we're going for a fry. What do you mean we're not going for a fry? We still got to do the cave. Fuck this. So, <laughs> I mean, another guy just bailed out, went to the pub, <laughs> had lunch, had a really big lunch in a a British gastro pub sort of situation. Loads of loads loads of stodgy hot food, and uh, we had a great yeah. time. And uh, that is why. Uh, that is why you never rush yourself. You always must have your breakfast before you undertake any strenuous activities. It was a safety matter. There's a safety concern and not me and my mate just being lazy and too afraid to do the big pitch. <laughs> and as a safety concern, we would have suffered hypothermia if we had to sit down and we were our energy levels were super duper low. Because I'd eaten, I had a chocolate bar for energy, ate that on the climb up, didn't have sufficient breakfast to do the trip. And uh, we spent a rainy day eating and drinking and enjoying I'm, life. 
And I'm just imagining your fucking, your fucking caving partners somehow watching you entirely wreck your metabolism over the course of maybe two or three hours to the point you're unable to continue. Sorry, guys. I ate things in completely the wrong order. And now if I don't go back down the mountain, I'm going to die. How, uh, how do, and the fact that you managed that over two hours is astounding. Um... <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I was just hungry. I was, I was just even drinking all day. And they're like, "You, how did you make this worse?" <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was a, it was a lack of communication on the part of the person who was leading us to the thing, and then an unwillingness to wait, and an expectation that everybody was on the same page about everything, and that's why you communicate when you're doing outdoor activities that involve a large number of people, and then, you know, some there's, there's always this is the thing, right, with all with all expedition type activities like be it be it a hike or be it a some sort of like lengthy adventure or a climbing trip or canyoning trip or caving trip or whatever you have the eternal tension between faffing and getting shit done and everyone being you know someone is always waiting for somebody else and everybody has differing levels of patience about faffing around and milling around and doing you know waiting for other people to do shit yeah that's true um so smaller groups are better well smaller groups can be better yeah um but then there's more crack to be had with bigger groups as well and obviously it's cheaper but this is why you need to find find a group of people who are going to be your adventure friends who have the same appetite for doing stuff at the speed that you want to do it so if you you're going to be miserable if you find yourself with adventure buddies who are not interested in not interested in a relaxing breakfast, that kind of thing. Not interested in having a cup of coffee before they get out the gap. You know, just want to go and All do the thing. All they need is their candle mint bar and they're good to go. All they need is the candle mint bar or they're going to eat their porridge and then they're going to go. Or, uh, that can be incredibly miserable yeah, <laughs> for people who don't regard... Some, some, some people regard, you know, there's a tension between kind of like... I'm here for the performance. I'm here for the sport and I'm not here to have a good time. I'm not here to make friends, blah, blah, blah. And there's other people who are just out for the fun of it. And people, probably the people the go camp. caving, the people go caving or hiking out of a competitive urge. Like I'm going to uh, get the mountain fastest. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of that. Um, pushing the limits, extreme, blah, 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 etc. Or a lot of the time it's just about getting stuff done. People want to knock stuff off, chalk, such and such a thing off their bucket list and, and get it done. So there's a real ambition to go and push the boundaries and, and find things to do or get such and such a thing done, like uh, achieve their particular ambition of doing such and such a cave. And not to not to slag anybody off in particular, but uh you know, not everybody uh not everybody is not everybody had their powers that morning. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a PD thing to to want yes. to do it the save than it, yeah. Though PD wasn't on five trip. Kendall, he eats his five Kendall mint cake bars. He climbs into a big old yeah. hole. Turns out, I do, turns out, anyway, I don't like Kendall mint cake bars, but I do like stodgy British pub food. It's funny wow. if we ended this episode not getting sued by Dolores Cahill, but by Kendall mint cake. Why would Dolores Fuck Cahill you. sue us? We didn't Fuck say anything bad about you. Dolores Cahill. Yeah, you're just like entitled to her madcap, insane opinions, and if the guards want to keep you outside the polling station, fuck off. I only said I only said the truth and asked was she okay because I'm genuinely worried about Dolores Cowell. I didn't say anything negative about her. I'm not worried about jo Dolores Cowell. She'd be fine. Rich as shit. I'm, I'm worried about Kendall Mintcake. Is that okay? I hope it goes out no. of business. 
It doesn't sound okay. It sounds it seems awful. to have completely destroyed Stephen's body in a very short period. Also, of time. it made it's either made by the Romney company or someone called Romney, and I'm really not sure which is which. Mitt Romney in his basement. It's one of the worst things I've ever eaten. Confections are supposed Mitt, to be like tasty and nice and not shit and digestible. Mitt Romney's Kendall Mint Cake Bars. <laughs> Good Mormon I, fun. I, I said I'd try it out because it was traditional to the Yorkshire Dales and, well, here we are. Now you we know like why it's not popular food. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what Do you know what I do approve of in the Yorkshire Dales? Um, bacon baps and large mugs of tea. Yeah, there you go. Um, what is, since we're on the top of rainy days, what is the worst rainstorm you've ever been caught in? Or worst weather, I should say, you've ever been caught in? Worst weather that I've ever been caught in? Hmm. It doesn't have to be rain. I mean, it's probably some kind of rain, you know, given the, the yeah, given what we probably, live in the world. But probably I, rain. Uh, I, don't, I don't know I remember, if... I, had to, I, I remember walking home from school through flood water before. I think that was because I was just, I, I wanted to walk through the flood water on the way home. And put my brother on the back, on my back, and carry him through the flood water, which I did so for you, some reason. So you'd look like some sort of hero, and everyone driving yeah, by. Yeah, exactly. Because like, of a look hero. At that complex. brave boy. Look at that brave boy. Brother into the flood waters. Yeah, exactly. It was a it was a puddle knee high that was blocking the laneway on the way home from school. Uh, really, really heavy rain. I guess is the most extreme stuff. I've never got stuck in the snow before, or any that kind of thing. Least in the east is pretty bad. That was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the most extreme thing was the was the time that I was had to be sequestered in work because of the uh, like the beast from the east, which seems completely ludicrous now. Like the um, the idea of staying in a hotel so you can get to work the next day in the snowstorm uh-huh. <laughs> because no one knew how to work remotely at that point. Madness. Yeah, I well, I was in a job that wouldn't let me work remote when that happened. So what? when we were yeah, when we were about to be hit by the storm. Because they said their policy doesn't allow remote work, which whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. <laughs> so we got hit by the storm, and they were like, Adam, we're preparing a laptop for you to take home so you can work from home. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm off, dude. I'm off now. You you brought this on yourself. Um, that's not happening here. So I just had like six paid days off work because uh, they Sick. couldn't get to the office again, and I refused <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yep. Went to a hotel and uh, with my colleagues from the newspaper, and we all had a really good time and stayed up drinking and partying and eating food with all the people who were in the hotel because their flights were cancelled, just surrounded by all those people. And then you had more drinks and got up the next day, really hung over to do the paper. And of course, that was the problem. Then was the next day, hotel breakfast. And that was the lunch. worst paper ever assembled. Yeah. <laughs> Loads of typos, no news. It barely made coherent <laughs> sense. No, it was just a production yeah. team that did it. It was fine. I mean, who really like? It's ridiculous now because I literally do that. I do that as a little job every Friday night <laughs> from home now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get drunk in your underpants. Yeah, exactly. You're at the hotel bar, Dan. What about you? Dan is muted. Is Dan has left? Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> Well, this is awkward. Um... Yep. Dan, you coming back? <laughs> What's your topic? It's your turn. You're up, buddy. This couldn't have come at a worse time. My Indian's outside. Can we take a pause for two minutes while I run and grab it? And then I'll do my okay. topic. Okay. Or you can vamp if you want, but I wouldn't recommend yeah. it. I'm going to run. Okay. Uh, I'm going to arrange my takeaway as well. 
<laughs> so the worst weather I've ever been in is when me and Aoife were in New York a few years ago. We got caught in a tropical storm that spread across an entire state line. Nice. Um, it is the worst weather I've ever seen in my life. It was literally 32 degrees Celsius um, at one point, And we had gone in to get ice creams. And we left the ice cream shop. It was fucking so hot that the ice cream immediately started melting when we went outside the store. Holy shit. Ate our ice creams. Jumped on the subway. We were on the subway for maybe 10 minutes. Got off the subway, got out of the tunnel, the sky was pitch black. Shit. The sun was gone, it was pitch Damn. black skies, and people were running through the streets. And we were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so we made our way down, because we were like, look, the weather here looks like it's going to be fucking terrible. So yeah. made our way down. Only place that was free was a TGI Friday, so we jumped into there. <laughs> Literally, seconds after we jumped into there, the fucking worst rainstorm I've ever seen in my fucking life bucketed it down. We were trapped yeah. in there for hours. For mm. hours, we were stuck at this TGI Fridays because the rain outside was just too fucking bad to go anywhere I mean, if else. I had to pick a restaurant as a stand-in for Purgatory, it would be TGI Fridays. Uh-huh. And I was the whole time <laughs> just sitting there drinking these really overpriced, shitty fucking beers and TGI Fridays, <laughs> looking at the fucking news being like, yeah, so Buffalo's been washed away. Anyway, <laughs> so just waiting for that end. But that was the, that was the fucking worst. I, and it was crazy, too, because of how quick it came in. Like, yeah. within the space of half an hour, it went from the fucking, one of the hottest days of that year, the hottest day that I had been yeah. in that year anyway, um, to, like, a fucking tropical storm that took mm. an entire day from us because of just mm. how bad it was. Like, fucking, like, basically the whole city shut down. Like, we're like, oh, fuck, all right, okay. This is, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is pretty bad. Hmm. It wasn't quite as bad as the, the storm that washed away fucking subways the other day <laughs> recently subways. in New York, but it was... Oh, yeah, yeah. The, subway, subways got flooded. Anyway, while Dan is gone, let's not give him a chance to to um and to bring his topic in, and let's end this yeah. episode of the podcast while Dan gets yeah, his like Indian it. badges, only badges or whatever he's getting. This has been I episode twenty one of Morning Brew. I have been Adam Sherry. Twenty one and done, Stephen Burke, and Dan has already left the building. We'll Unfortunately, we're not week. done. We will, of course, be back next week. And in the meantime, you can catch up on all 20 other episodes, if you can believe it. All 20 of them on iTunes. Make sure to share with your friends. Give it a like. Uh, you can also do that on Spotify. So we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Did you just finish it? Yeah. Oh, I ran for nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>